Welcome to another episode of the Scotch Property Podcast. My name's Nick Ponte. I'm here with Stephen Clark. How you doing, Stephen? Good, man. How's things? Yes, all good. We had Noreen Backer on from Circle Finance. So Noreen's a mortgage broker uh, based in Glasgow. She's had her business going for about uh, five or six years now. And she came on, talked about her um, sort of journey in property, how she's built up a portfolio uh, of around about 40 properties, stemming back to when originally she got interest in property through her family. Um, her dad had a couple of properties, then she was an estate agent, then she took time out to be a mum and have her family, and then back into the property industry again as a mortgage broker. So it was quite interesting just hearing about her yeah, story. Yeah, you forgot about the, the, the Subway franchise as well, and that she did. That was quite interesting as well. Ah, exactly. So we covered a lot of subjects there. We talked about the current market, rising mortgage interest rates, of course, we touched on as well. And Noreen kind of gave her tips on, you know, if you're new to this and how best to proceed with mortgage applications and things like that. So hope you enjoy the content, guys, and the interview with Noreen. And we'll just cut straight to the interview. Thank you for joining us on the Scottish Property Podcast. Noreen Backer from Circle Finance. Thanks, Stephen. How are you? Good. Delighted to have you. And as always, joined by Nick Ponty here. Thanks for joining us, Noreen. I says to you right from the start, I recognise your face. And like we talked about there, we both started off our businesses in the Village Hotel. And now you've always... Starbucks coffee. <laughs> on the Starbucks. Now you're saving a fortune on the Starbucks. You've got your own office space, paying for that office probably. So yeah, it's great to see you. You're probably one step ahead of me. I've, I've still not got the office, and but I'm not really going to uh, the Village much these days. Uh, but yeah, Um let us know, obviously, like, I mean, I used to see you sitting working there, so you're obviously hustling away at something, so so let us know what you're, you're up to in those early days. Absolutely. We all have to start from somewhere. So Village was the place where I had all my meetings and I basically worked from, um, sat there throughout the day with my Starbucks and just... Um, well, looking for clients, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> working on, well, circle finance, so we work on mortgage applications, etc. cetera. Um, so it was just really meet clients and working and uh, doing a bit of networking. And what did you do before that, Noreen? How did you, what did oh, you start? You've got um, a bit of property experience as well, haven't you? Yes, I do. So um, initially I have uh, started off with a financial services background. Uh, from there, went into banking um, from the banking sector, went into the state agency, and just before the crash, uh, got rid of it. Had babies, as you do, and um, while they were getting older, opened up a couple of um, subway franchises, and um, they got my kids at school, and I realised that really wasn't my game, so set up um, Circle Finance, reset my exams, etc., and basically set up Circle Finance. Nice. Did, did you sell the, the subway franchises? Um, one we sold up pre, yeah, before, and then the other one as, yeah, because once one of the food, the food business, if you're not in it yourself, then it does kind of, it does. I, I couldn't run myself, so it sold it. Yeah, couldn't give it time and energy. Because of the amount of uh, staff you have to put in place to, it to was, place you. It was constant. Yeah, the staff turnover was crazy, and if I always feel it in a food franchise or any kind of food business that if you're the owners or a really good manager's not in there, then the standards drop. Mm -hmm. No, so that makes sense. So, so how, yeah. how, long, how long did you have that for before you sold up a few years? Um, I think at least five mm. or six. 
I'm quite interested in the in the uh, the franchise model, like particularly subways, because we've never we've never had anyone that's that's ventured into that. that yeah, how, on the podcast. I mean, how does that work? Presumably, you need to put out a fee to get started. They provide you with all the setup and all the rest of it. Is it quite a big yeah. cost to get to get? Especially to get now, I personally wouldn't recommend it, but it is quite costly. Um, at that point, subway was new, newish. Um, so. Yeah, there was now it's like in every corner, but it's like every franchise. There is a cost, of course. Um, you, you have your own running costs, but then you also have the loyalties, etc. You pay as well. Really depends. I would never go back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. And, and and take us back to the start when you, you you've got your, you've got your own property portfolio as well that you built up in the, during this time working in the banking sector and and doing the franchise business. Yeah, so I um start, well, my dad was always into properties, so I was kind of like born into it where I used to do his um, leases, etc. at a very young age, I was bribed to. Um, <laughs> but then when I had a estate agent franchise, I obviously got into property then. That's where my love for properties kind of got bigger and um, the passion was there. Um, I, I bought a few then myself and just been running that. So that was, what, 2007? So I would say I personally got into it then. Mm-hmm. Probably at the worst time then. No, no, just before the crash. It was actually the best time. No, no. Well, yeah, but just after the crash. So a bit of both. I was in the game, so let's just say I knew the ones that were good to buy. Mm-hmm. And have you still got them in your portfolio? You? I do, I do. Some I did get rid of. Um, from then I got rid of quite a few. Um, I kept sort of the Glasgow West End ones. They are going great. Uh, but since then, um, especially over covid um we have probably purchased over what, 30 40 properties in about two years wow that's some Great. yeah that, i mean that's something else i mean let's say uh, so 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 these these existing properties that you kept are they like how did you um have you got mortgages on all of them like are they are they debted like how well they were bought at very very low costs then they didn't they were mortgaged then but now they're not mortgaged no and some like the glasgow west end ones etc as you know the property value is quite high in them so i have remortgaged them and pull out pulled out equity just to um put back in to my portfolio and purchase more and you know like back at that time there wasn't really any social media there was no facebook there was no property courses youtube videos and all the rest of it so did you not really have like a strategy as such was it more from your family and kind of like your your dad and stuff like that that just kind of it got passed down the kind of you know property is a good thing to invest in let's just keep going with yeah, this. that's basically it it was basically it um so my, my dad my family but you know, we're all like sort of um self-employed entrepreneurs um but my dad did have a por- property portfolio and i think it was just seeing it and my dad was very hands-on, so going into the properties with him over the weekend to go and got a kitchen out was normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think you were just born in it. So it was like you saw that this is definitely where the money can be. So, yeah. Have you got brothers and sisters as well? I've got involved? two brothers, yeah. So they are they involved in it as well, in the property? They are, probably not as much as I am. But, right. yeah, they a wee bit. They kind of, yeah, a wee bit. Paddle into it a little bit. Right. So, so we'll just take you through that then. So, so kind of you started off as an estate agent and that obviously did that bring you opportunities then to get 
kind of good deals and stuff like that or you know you said you bought them at really good prices um but i'm thinking 2007 that was when things were going so do you know what i sold this estate agency in 2007 i've got my dates mixed up um i sold this agency in 2007 i had um address my eldest just at the start of 2008 so yeah so right. i had purchased so i was i think i got rid of the estate agency just in time right. which was good so um good it was i'll give that credit to my uh, address to my eldest <laughs> did you sell um, it or did you just kind of give it up or I sold it I sold because right. it's a franchise what was point, which which one was it it was Remax it was big in the days <laughs> is that was that I mean that was was there not like so because Remax was was huge at that time and then all of a sudden when that hit that that 2008 it just seemed to just collapse didn't it I did I did completely died I like, Hardly right and, and, and Fife area and I think there's quite a lot of them pop up but what I think they do is they branch out and start their own independent estate agents after they get their yeah. knowledge experience and track record in the estate agency that's field. exactly it so so you basically timed that perfect so you came you actually came out with a bit of cash from that business and then you watched a bit it of cash or a bit of break even I could have been right. a lot worse that's what I'm right. okay <laughs> then I watched it crash then Holy. you watched it and you were like, oh, phew. oh my God. Yeah, exactly. So what were you thinking at that point then? Obviously your focus was to bring up your, your eldest child. How many kids have you got? Two boys. Right. So you're, 14, you're obviously, you're, you're a new mum at that point. You know what you're thinking when you see all that craziness happening in the property sector and, and the big crash and all that, what's going through your head? Are you just oh, like, gosh. I'm sitting out just now. How financially, how were you? Um, I, it was, I didn't really... I don't think it really affected me financially, even though there were a couple of properties that we owned at that point. Um, they were tenanted. I didn't really think too much into the whole valuations of them dropping, etc., because they weren't expensive properties I, in the first place. Um, so the debt on them weren't too high anyway. I think at that point, to be honest with you, I was just looking after the kids. <laughs> Did, are you married? Are you married at this time? Have you got yes, a partner? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yep, yep, yep. We were married. Uh, I was married, um, and uh, he was in the IT game at that point. So yeah. Right. So you had that kind of support from him as well. So there's there is income coming in there, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Good. And and did you and did you continue to grow the portfolio when the kids were young, or or take a break? No, I it, it kind of stopped. Um, my dad's, I was managing my dad's um, mostly at that point, a few of um, the ones I had, managed my dad's. I didn't really purchase, did I maybe purchase another one or two at the most? Mm. Um, I was complete. I was kind of out the game. I just had whatever I had, my dad had just managed them. And, and this, this is when you started venturing into the financial services? No, no. So um, I probably was completely out the game for about five years until the kids started school so I'll say six years and um, so yeah five six years and then I was a little bit lost actually because I had kind of walked away from financial services completely um, and then just one day thought let's go and sit my exams and see what I can do again. How, how is that when you decide I mean when you say doing junior, junior exams what is it you need to do to be a, a kind of more you know a mortgage broker and advise Senior. people mortgages? CMAP exams um, for definite and then obviously your knowledge is next to none because you've not been doing anything um, so yeah so the kids were at school and 
I just found out some um, sort of crash course type thing and went and sat the three exams. And how long does that take? Can, can anyone do this? Like, If you really want to, yes. Um, how long does it take? I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I did all my three exams with and sat all my exams, passed them um, within like two months. Awesome. That's because you're very smart, of course. So. Of course, of course. I mean, not everyone can do that. No, I think it's more of determination. I was like, I think I was trying to prove to myself that, hey, I can still do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then from there, is this, is this, did you go into a, a job or a role in financial services before yeah, you started so the brokerage? from there, um, I started working with a firm under a network, um, as you have to be, you have to have X amount of experience before you can kind of go and venture on your own. Um, so I did that for about, mm, I can't remember my time's all over the place. So I'll, I'll say about a year and a half. And um, is that doing uh, mortgages, arranging mortgages for people? Yeah. yeah? Mortgage yeah, brokers. What, yeah. what was it about that that really kind of appealed to you? You know, to, to go and do so that? When such... I was in the bank, because I did financial services degree, and when I was in the bank, I always sort of thought I'll finish off my, because I had one more exam that I had to sit for mortgages at that point. Um, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I never ever got around to it. Um, and I think the estate agency, the properties, as much as I loved them, it wasn't enough. So I think I just I wanted to start over the financial side of it as well. What What do you mean it wasn't enough? It wasn't fulfilling you? It wasn't making you yeah. happy? Like what, what No, was no, it? I love the properties, but see having the whole sort of journey, sourcing a property, finding it getting a good deal whatever and then getting it financed and then from there leasing it out or whatever yeah but why did you not go back to estate agency and go down the mortgage broker route why did i not just go back to the estate agency i like i mean obviously you had all that experience in estate agency but you decided to be a mortgage broker so yeah i don't so as much as okay i love properties however i don't want to be selling properties i think it's more of going out there and finding what properties are a good you know a good sort of um deal what are what are a good investment that's different from actually just selling properties mm. okay no it, it makes sense i mean obviously so you start you start with a, a for a mortgage broker uh, company but like did you quickly realize that you you, you wanted to be your own boss like wh- where did it become your decision to branch out by yourself and why did you I make th- that I think choice? I've, I think of um, so even when I was um, doing the state agency because it's a franchise, I was my own boss anyway. Um, right. So once you've kind of done that, it's quite difficult to get work for someone. And I, even when I, so when I had when I did my mortgage exams, um, I had to work with the firm. Then I, I knew I wouldn't I wouldn't stay there forever. It was literally just to get experience enough to go out. Okay. And venture out, yeah. And then from there, it was just um, Circle Finance, basically, was born. Circle yeah. Finance was born, which was obviously, you know, your idea. And it's just you at this point, is it, when uh-huh. you started out? Yeah. So just yeah. you. And how do you go about, obviously, starting out um, from scratch again? Because presumably, you know, you're new, you're quite new. How did you get your initial clients then? So when I was with this firm, um, I started doing a lot of networking. I think networking is key regardless of what sector you're in. Um, started doing just a lot of networking. Um, so when I got into Circle Finance, I, I'm not going to say that the business was there, but I had met a lot of people. Um, so I had the audience client I could have started off with. And since then, it's grown. It's grown a lot. Um, 
so it was networking for clients it was networking for um, people that could refer business like, like insurance firms and um, that's probably when I started off as well and um, there was an insurance broker in Fife they were I had known them over the years and they were getting a lot of sort of mortgage inquiries etc as well so they just started passing business on and from there it was just like you know making them connections with accountants etc and what sort of, what sort of things were you doing in terms of networking were you going going to these networking events or did you join like a, a group a networking group or it was any event that was out there I was there basically at that point I was like constant networking events some of them I walked away going gosh that was so, such a waste of time but <laughs> anyone there it was there so I, I speak to I speak to a lot of people who just who hate networking and can't they can't bring themselves out and they just you know they're quite introverted and stuff like that. But I presume that that wasn't you. You seem quite confident and chatty. Did you find that quite easy to put your throw yourself into these kind of rooms? Um, it is pretty difficult at the start when you've not kind of been doing it for a while. Um, but once you sort of start finding your feet. Do you know, I think the key is to once you have confidence in yourself, that's it. You can sell anything to anyone. And how did the when you started the brokerage, what did you did you look at specialising in a certain type of mortgages? Was it just residential mortgages? Was it a buy to let or you know short term no. development? So at, it... When Circle Finance started, it was literally just started. Let's just see what we can get. What can I get and take it from there? So it probably started off the residential, um, and then I got a couple of uh, buy to let clients. Um, from there, it was just really a word of mouth. And what I noticed with the buy-to-let clients, obviously, they're always purchasing, they're always investing. So it was more loyalty from them and word of mouth from them to other investors. And I think that's where I probably really pushed into just before COVID or just during COVID. So for the, this is probably to COVID was second year, so this is the third year that I have been really pushing into investment properties and buy-to-let mortgages, specialised finance. Um, so I hardly do residential now. Ah, right, okay. So quite, quite a focus on that. So I'm interested then about this growth in your own portfolio. You've said that you've purchased how many properties since COVID? So over COVID, there's um, been approximately about 30 properties that are purchased with them ourselves and a business partner. So, so why all of a sudden, like, you pretty much sat out and didn't really buy anything for years and years and years, then COVID comes about, you're like, I'm buying 30 properties. What changed? Boredom, <laughs> no. Um, it was always in the blood. It was just, it just had to surface up again. And with COVID, there was so many purchases, there were so many opportunities. Why would you not purchase? Um, at that point, there was so much, we were all working from home, and I think, we were all about, oh gosh, what's happening, especially like with myself, what's going to happen? Is there going to, what's happening? Is the property market even going to be a thing? Um, mortgages, is there going to be business out there? And um, I've always had a sort of habit of just for the hell of it, going on to right move and et cetera, et cetera, and just seeing what's out there. And that's what I did. And then from there, I was just sending out um, inquiries um, to the state agents and, I mean, we purchased a lot of properties without viewing them over COVID. It was great. Right. And are you targeting any specific areas? Like where, so where majority of the uh, properties are sort of within Lanarkshire. 
Because you stay in Motherwell, didn't you? Yeah, North Lanarkshire. Yeah. So you're kind of looking around these areas. Yeah. And and did you did you said you you've met somebody who you're investing with? Is that like a, a just like somebody you've teamed up with as a business partner, or is this another family member? Yep. So um, yep, yep, yep. Uh, there is another um, business partner involved in this. I think it was it was just one of those things where um, you were we were purchasing on you know that way where you you start purchasing private your own name and then you've got another family member that's um purchasing as well then you're like let's just do a limited company let's just see what we can do so there's a few limited companies set up and just depending on what the properties are and how how they get purchased and where's all your cash coming from then to buy these 30 properties they are majority of them are all financed um but it's really just having the deposit isn't it let's be honest so has this been built up from your 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 business then? Have you been have you been kind of putting the cash aside from from Circle Finance to then uh, invest in property? Or? So this has been built up probably over the years, and um, the ones that were, the properties that were owned for numerous years that no longer had finance on them, so it was basically just refinancing them to pull out the funds from there to deposit new ones. Hmm. So, and what type of properties are you are you going for then? What sort of profile, like flats, well, houses? Th- things have slightly changed now. However, it was um, a mixture of flats and houses, two bedroom. Sort of, it wasn't again in the higher bracket. It was sort of sixty thousand upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. two bedroom just to rent out. And is all that that portfolio is going well? Like, have you got like you? Good tenants in there. Do you have a letting agent? How's that going in terms of the management of it? Yep. So there's a they're all let out, thankfully. Um. Yep. And there's a letting agent involved as well. Not in all of them, but some, most of them. So as a business so I, owner, you you don't have time really to be running about looking after tenants and managing maintenance and repairs, do you? So you've you've obviously outsourced that. Yep. Yep. Um. Majority of them are outsourced, but some of them aren't. Um. I think we've started getting our own sort of tenants in as well, just because the word gets out, this number, they always have properties call this number type thing. So because, um, you know, we've got the staff anyway, the, the admin staff, so it's kind of just dealt with. And what's the plan in that portfolio? Is that plan to grow that port- continue to grow that portfolio now or has it changed now with the, the more recent changes? Um, It's not going to stop. It will get there will be more properties purchased. However, it's a little bit more cautious now. Um, I think first quarter will definitely be quieting down simply because like the properties that were purchased um, end of the year last year took a long time for all the finances and everything to get completed and finalised. So that's um, just happening now. So they'll be coming, the, the properties will be getting added on um, to the portfolio like this month, um, tenanties, et cetera. So we'll probably not purchase much in the first quarter for definite. Did you see just... you're taking your finances there? Sure, this, this should be our forte. This should be this should work really quick. Sorry, I missed that. Sorry, did you say the finance was, was slow on these purchases? Unfortunately, just because of the, what can I say, the economy. <laughs> Liz Trust had a little bit of... um. 
yes, impact on that one. <laughs> How does that work? If anyone had a good systems in place for getting the finances, it should yes, be it should but be you. Remember, but even you, even I, you didn't struggle. That's good to know. Yes, yes. Uh, I think we all struggled. Um, yeah, it was just lenders. Lenders became very, very cautious, and everything just became a low, slow, slow I've process. Often- I've often wondered this because I've got, I've, I know a couple of people who invest in property who are mortgage brokers. Can you arrange your own mortgages or do you have to use somebody else for that? A bit of both. Um, you can use some, you, most of them are use somebody else. But again, it really depends on how the properties are purchased, um, limited companies and whose name, et cetera. And how are you get on? Because I've heard some people like, obviously, if you have that, that growth over a short period of time, you know, lenders it can sometimes be difficult. So is there any specific lenders that you've been, you know, you've been going to or do you just kind of like go go with whoever? The mortgage works um, oh. gets quite a bit and the mortgage lender, the rates are a little high. However, the job gets done. But with the mortgage works, can you, I think it's like a 10 maximum or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 10's a different ways of purchasing them <laughs> 10 all right okay 10 maybe different <laughs> companies right um then you've got yep the mortgage lender gets a lot of the business um and now we've started using paragon quite a bit as well got you right okay so that's some good names for people to to think about there um and the only name people need is circle finance <laughs> we'll come to that and we'll give, you, we'll give you a good plug at the end but I think it's just it's great how you've uh, you've grown this uh, sort of portfolio and um, obviously what is the the kind of long-term plan behind this is this something for you uh, to fund late is this is this portfolio are you taking cash out just now are you just letting the money kind of accumulate um, are you going to reinvest that in more properties or is it very yeah. much a long-term play? Uh, yeah, um, definitely. It's it's going to last, um, definitely. I know the market is a little bit all over the place and everyone's, you know, landlords are hated by the government, etc. However, if you're in it for the long haul, I definitely think it's worthwhile. And um, yep, uh, mine's will be growing, not mm. going anywhere. Good. And circle finance then. Um, so obviously, what have been the, the the main challenges? Obviously, you mentioned Liz Trust and all, all that carry on. So the mini budget obviously had a big impact on uh, mortgage lending, uh, mortgage interest rates and all that. So how are you uh, placing? How did you deal with all that? And have you, have you come out of that period quite well? To be honest with you, it's probably a really busy period um, because everyone was so uncertain. Uh, it wasn't as bad as what the negative was, but the media was portraying it anyway. It was the media was just completely negative. Um, the clients I have are portfolio landlords, long-term investors. Yes, they were on the phone, totally. What's going on? What's happening? However, um, majority are in two years fixed rates, five years of fixed rates, so it didn't affect everyone straight away. Slowly, slowly, it will affect people. Um, but we'll just deal with it then. So the questions at the moment, obviously we're reading just now that there's actually the mortgage rates are on the decline. Uh, you know, mortgage rates are, are going down because there's this kind of like, in the residential space especially, you know, the kind of like uh, transactions are lower. So there's there's less business for mortgage lenders, which means increased competition, which obviously means that they're driving their rates down. We haven't really seen that too much from what I read, you'll be able to tell us better um, in terms of like the buy-to-let limited company mortgages. The rates don't really seem to be going down 
as as fast what you know why is that and will we see that i hope so um, but you're right. The residential the residential um, interest rates are coming down far more than the buy to let ones. The buy to let ones, I don't see them rising. If that's a good thing, um, I think I think lenders are a bit more cautious as well. Um, and also, not only are their rates not coming down, but their mark the values that they're accepting for buy to lets are quite high as well now. So they're basically just looking for more less business but more quality business but it's just a matter of time again I say the first quarter because they're going to have all this money that they're not going to have um, all this money to lend that they've not been able to basically and they've, they've got a business to run as well and um, the BDMs I speak to they've got targets etc and they're not meeting them simply because the, the valuation figures are too high the property price um, the ones that they're accepting are too high so they're not as busy. So I was speaking to a BDM the other day and they were saying, no, we were normally, we were doing approximately on a minimum seven to five, 80 applications a day. We're down to less than 20. That's a big, big drop. Well, that's interesting because we obviously read stats about mortgage application, mortgage approvals being down. You know, will that obviously have an effect on the, the property market in general? And, you know, will prices come down? What's your kind of view on how the market will uh, we'll go in 2023. We we hear kind of reports of you know a crash or minus 10 percent. Where are you sitting with your predictions? We're not going to have a property crash. I think I was the one that was jumping up and down when all this Liz Trust stuff was happening, and I was like, no, stop, calm down, everyone. We're not going to have a property crash like we had in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope these words don't come back and bite me. But no, we're not. Um, the lenders are. It's all, it's all regulated now. So, you know, everything is completely different than what it was in 2008. Yes, the properties are going to come down. However, the property prices have actually risen so much in the first place over COVID, et cetera, as well. So, we're you know, before you're paying, what, so much over um, valuation report, residential properties were going insane. They were going 40, 50,000 pound over valuation report. So they were, they were selling for too high anyway, and that has to come down. Um, it has to settle. So I think at this point, we are at sort of home report. They are selling at home report um, valuations. Um, are they going to come down? They probably will come down maximum, I'd say about 10%, but nothing major. Mm-hmm. A question for you when you're putting in, when you're doing like refinances and, um, you know, when, Obviously, you're trying to get the maximum out of, you know, some people might do a strategy where they they increase the value through a renovation, then they're trying to get pull as much money out of it as possible. That's quite a common thing for people to do. Um, I've always wondered, like, is it worth just trying to go high on the valuation just to chance your luck almost? Or, you know, is that just ultimately going to backfire on you with when, once the lender sends out their own surveyor like what have you seen have you seen people get getting downvalued oh, yeah. the, lately the, the amount of uh, the amount of uh, people that you speak like investors that i am talking to I'm like okay so how much do you think the property is worth x amount so i'll have a look at i'll do my own research a little bit i'm like really okay there's no point in me doing all the work and then okay we'll we'll chance it and but the lender will send out their valuers and it does come back lower right so 
you can chance it, but you, it doesn't get far. And and as as a mortgage broker, it's not it's that's not really your job, is it, to sort of advise on the valuation figure, is it? Do you just put down what the client says, and then obviously again, it depends on the client. Um, I I work very closely with my investor clients. Um, yeah. so I tend to do kind of extra. I will kind of look at the valuations, etc. At that point, but otherwise, no, we don't do that. It's not our job. And where do you feel that obviously that there's like you know hundreds of mortgage brokers out there? Where do you feel that you you can uh, you've got the edge over other ones, and you feel you deliver a better service? Then, you know, I think if you have if you, I'm going to go. I'm going to focus on investments and um, buy to lets more than residential because that's where um, yeah. the circle finance focuses on as well. I'm in the game. I do it. I do it for myself. I do it as a living. So, would I advise a client? Otherwise, would I advise them negatively, or would I? When I talk to a client, I would tell them to do what I would do. I wouldn't advise any other way, basically. So I think it, it's more passion again because I'm in the mm. game myself. You've got an understanding there of yeah. uh, of, of what people are trying to do. Exactly. It's, a knowledge. it's a knowledge. If you're in there doing it yourself, you have that extra bit of knowledge because because you have your own sort of experiences as well. Mm-hmm. What tell talk to me about like why is it so difficult when you're doing things through a limited company and all that when they come back to you with all these things that you need to like all these like surely there must be a better process because what I found lately on the limited company mortgages that I've been putting in they keep coming back to you like again and again and again and it's dragging on why can they not just right from the start just give you a full checklist you know like that would be too easy (laughs) no I totally get it but at the moment I think that's happening just overall because of how the market is uh-huh. um i'm going to go back to like a, a application i just did um for paragon and it was uh for for one client limited company but there were six properties so it was six different applications as such and it went on forever um they asked for anything everything uh, business plans and everything but I think it's, again, I think the lenders are a lot more cautious at the moment, so they are asking. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it, because you know what? As long as you get the mortgage at the end of it, it it's fine. But that's where you need, what, a, what that's where be- you need a... That's where you need a good broker, Nick, honestly, yeah. because it takes <laughs> the stress out for the client. It's like when the lender asks me for a business plan, etc. I'm not going to turn around and go to my client, right, set me a business plan up. I'm like, come on, seriously, is he really going to do that? Yeah, so, that's absolutely. that's one thing I, I've I've always struggled with, like a, a business plan projections. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> what? You, you, you touched on Paragon there. Really. <laughs> I noticed this morning that Paragon released a, a good a good lot of uh, new products, and some of them were going down to I think it was a two year fixture, so like four point eight. I think the five year, which they weren't introduced to value fixtures, they're at like five percent. So it's 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 weird that they're they're. No, the base rate is going up, but the the lenders are now bringing their rates back down. Is that because they're trying to get that money out now? Well, yes and no. If you remember correctly, when the whole um, chaos happened, all lenders pulled out all their products, right? And then they came back with crazy rates. So they had already factored in for the base rate to basically come up to, what was it, estimated 5%? But we're at 4%, so they've already factored in more uh, for the base rate to go higher than what it actually is so they can afford to bring it down but I personally think 
it is of course to do with um, the business that they're not getting as well hence the reason second quarter I think we'll see much better results yeah so Paragon put in a five-year fixed at five percent only one percent above base rates quite nuts does that mean they they're predicting that the base rate is going to come back down over that five years there's not much margin for it for them um, yeah yeah maybe so uh, the, the, the most likely are I don't yeah, they've they've got they've got they've got other fees as, as well um within um so the lender's never not going to make money, mm-hmm. but at the same time they uh, they've got basically business that they have to bring in as well to make money themselves. So yeah, they have to make competitive results. And I, I, I found a a real little victory and 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 kind of getting one up Halifax uh, port my mortgage over. My one point four percent mortgage I fixed for five years on my my residential house, and it just came up the year like a few months ago, and I was moving house, and they tried everything not to let me port over to the new house for the remaining four years, and I got over. I was like, "Fucking new beauty!" Oh, fantastic! Like That's like winning the lottery. <laughs> great, great. I mean, it probably, it probably means not much over the over the course of the, the no, you know, but still, come on, just just, just yeah. thinking about the one percent to like a three four percent rate, uh, fantastic. Just, just feeling that a little bit when I was like, oh. Great. Definitely. This is where that people are really going to get hit, isn't it? When these fixed rate and and they go from one point whatever it is one point six up to like five percent. <laughs> Honestly, it's crazy. Um, yeah, especially for like residential people uh, with the residential mm. mortgages, etc. Because bread and butter, isn't it? Yeah. Let yeah. let so me know. Like your clients, like factor in like the, the new ones that are kind of they're coming up with their own bike let portfolio. Their fixed rates are ending. Are they going for trackers to? Or a short-term tracker right now, or they or they're trying to fix it for longer, just to know where they stand, or how are you feeling in that, or where would where are you advising your clients to go with it? I'm not advising. Obviously, it's, every case is different, and at the end of the day, it's client's choice. But I personally wouldn't advise, and I wouldn't take it myself as a five years fix. I would never take a five years fix at the moment. Rates are too high. Um, two years fix are some of them are quite quite good and quite competitive. Uh, trackers. Mm, they're okay as well, but I think the t- some of the two years fixed are quite okay. Um, so I would again, it depends on every situation, but I think we would probably just go for the two years fixed. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I've got a couple that have just come up. So, uh, the, the, the advocate here, Noreen, and it's something I thought about a few months ago because we fixed a whole lot of mortgages, obviously at two years. You know, I think about 2.7, a lot of them have Paragon, you know, the last couple of years. They're all coming up this year. And I'm thinking, fuck me, my broker, you know, convinced me to fix it for two years or over the five years because going, they get a refinance yeah, every going, couple of years. No, 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 and I'm like, no, no, no. I fix it for five years, I would have been a whole lot better off. Totally. And I know it's in hindsight and stuff, but... There's a, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have fixed a lot of mortgages for five years fixed before all this. I just wouldn't do five years fixed at this point. Just with uncertainty. Yeah, because of the uncertainty and the rates are higher. And my, I I think we'll give it a couple of years. We're going to see a lot more settling down. Uh, two years, two years, two and a half years. So I think if you've fixed for five years, you've got about two and a half, two years of a higher rate you're going to be after that. Mm-hmm. We well, are. Uh, sorry, Stephen. I suppose, like, you know, that Paragon one that just came out today, the five-year fixed at 5%, it's only 1% above base. No, that's, that's fantastic. That's that's yeah. fantastic. 
Um, it's probably fees to that though you might find. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before I, before I could say you know I would use it, I wouldn't use it. There would be there will be fees, etc. Yeah. I think it just has to all be balanced out. Is that something you do when you're looking at your bike like clients as well? Do you factor in over that that period, like the total cost of the bottom over that five year, the two year, and compare the two and you know get a, get a bigger understanding of it rather than. It, yeah, it's more than just the monthly cost, isn't it? Because we're running a business. Mm-hmm. It's not like a residential where this is, you know, we're going to have this for 20 years or if we want to let or even pay off earlier, but we're going to have this for 20 years. This is our home. Um, but we're running a business. So regardless of how much you pay per month, you're looking at in two years time, is this going to cost me X amount to refinance or is this, you know, the fees, et cetera, the valuation fees, the solicitor fees, all that has to come into it because you want to make money. So there's no point in making X amount every month, but in two years time, having to fork out X amount again, and that kind of balances yeah. it out and you've not really made much at all. Question, here a question for you. Right, so I'm uh, I'm looking at a couple of properties at the moment as a cash buyer. Um, if I buy cash and I do the renovations um, very quickly and I'm wanting to then get a mortgage on it, at what point, like how quickly could I uh, start that process of, of getting the, uh, the the mortgage on it? So there is a lot of lenders that will want you to own the property for six months. Um, but there are a few properties in the game as well that'll take first day remortgage. But you should right. look at bridging. Possible bridging would be yeah. an option. Right, okay. Why it's- use your own money? Right. Okay. Good. I mean, that's something that we could maybe do another episode on. But I think that's uh, pretty good. And and just for the listeners who are new starting out as well, they always want to know, you know, what, how can I stand myself the best chance of of you know this process going smoothly and ultimately getting accepted for the loan at the end of the day. So, what are the top say top three tips? Obviously, um, for a new client coming to you, how should they be positioning themselves so they stand the best possible chance of things going smooth? Um, are we taking this into invest, like the investment side or buy to lay? Yeah, company so, mortgages. Uh, basically, speak speak to your accountant or tax advisor first, because higher rate taxpayer, lower rate taxpayer, everyone has their own different um taxes that they're paying. Then figure out what way you want to go, whether you want to go in your personal name or limited company. Both have pros and cons, and once you have find out what your business model is do you want a repayment mortgage you want to go in and um, interest only so know what you want and then from there um have just have your finances in order and have a good credit report have a good credit rate it's so difficult when um, clients come to you and their credit report's not very good because then you're looking at adverse lending but if you're trying to make money from investments then adverse um lenders have really really high rates and sometimes it's just not worth it yeah. So just have have everything and what tips would you give to the people starting out? Say that again, sorry. On, sorry, and what would, what tips would you give to people starting out to improve their rating? Right. Firstly, download your credit report. Go on to Expedian or Expedia. Find out what your report is. Um, if you don't have a lot of credit in the first place, then get a bit of credit. Um, I'm assuming if you're buying investment properties, you've already got a mortgage, etc. Don't miss out. Don't miss any payments. Um, especially on a secured finance because your chances are next to none to get any mortgages for about two years then. So it would just be just pay everything in time and get, pay everything in time and just don't have outstanding debt if you don't have to. Like don't have that credit card 
at three thousand pounds for the hell of it. Just pay it back every month. Yeah, as credit credit utilities are called. Is that important to have that percentage low? Yeah, yeah, because every um, every individual will have an X amount of credit before they become before the credit rates etc. starts to drop. Um, yes, but then if you're starting out, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. What what no, about if you what about if you've gone out and bought a brand new Porsche? Can that go against you? <laughs> well, it depends on how you bought it. So I'm assuming you yeah. bought it in HP, so you've got your monthly. The thing about um higher purchase, unfortunately, we have this a lot. You have the monthly repayments, but you've got the balloon payment at the end. So a lot of lenders actually count that balloon payment as a debt as well, but there are lenders that will dismiss it. So again, it really depends on what route you go down. I, I can, the reason I said the Utilage one is I kind of discovered this by accident during COVID because everyone was talking about these mortgage holidays and you know stuff on the podcast, and I was like, no, nope, no, nope, avoid them. So I, I took out like a, a credit card, an interest-free credit card, and I think I got 14 or 15 grand Utilage on it. And I never used it, obviously, because COVID wasn't as bad as we all panicked and we got in business. But the... Uh, I noticed my credit report started going up and nothing had changed except for the credit utilage that, you know, the utilization of the credit, it was like so much higher than what was none, nothing was getting used. So the credit report went up and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting if people were really starting out that, like you say, get a credit card, put a couple on the credit. Yeah, definitely. What I would say is get a credit card and do you know what, fill your car with it and just pay it back at the end of the month. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Well, Great stuff, Noreen. Thanks very much for taking the time here to chat with us. It's been really good getting to know you. Um, where can people reach out to you and use your services? How can they get a hold of you? Um, any Starbucks, I'll be there. <laughs> no, the Village Hotel anymore. Though. No, not the Village Eurocentral. Hotel. <laughs> Eurocentral. Yep. So we're based in Eurocentral. Uh, Circle Finance. We're online. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Noreen Backer and. Yeah, I'm everywhere. <laughs> Find me online. <laughs> Get in touch. Send me an email. Uh, email address noreen at circle-finance.co.uk and basically myself or someone will be in touch. We're always happy to help. Oh, you can tell you can tell you're a, a great networker, Noreen. That was like a BNI pitch there. <laughs> I don't I don't do BNI, but I do love networking, yes. <laughs> no, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate that, Noreen. And no problem. Thanks for your time, Stephen Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Noreen Baca from Circle Finance. I know we did. It's, she's certainly got a diverse um, life and business and um, plenty of property experience. So yeah, guys, if you're liking the podcast, enjoying the content, please share it on social media. Click myself and Nick on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, usual platforms. Excellent. As always, get across to one of our networking events, first Wednesday of the month, and we'd love to see you there. Thanks again for listening, guys. Speak to you next week.